Welcome to Musician Goes Monk. Today we have Brian, Mr. Know-It-All. Hello? Sweet. All right. You're Perfect. In. You think I didn't, wouldn't spend my time in these kinds of rooms for a living with my, the classes that I teach, but there I go. <laughs> it's all good. So. Yeah, there's nothing like there's nothing like a new app to to make you feel like the oldest person in the world. Eh, it happens. Started using TikTok the other week. That's been an adventure. I feel old. Yeah, and I did. I've done a little of that because I've been doing like these like pseudo little music history courses. But I've only done like three of them mm-hmm. because they all take they all take seemingly forever to do but yeah that's another thing where i feel what's funny is so like i do so i teach uh did you ask me how i've been i've been teaching uh, english and spanish online i mean uh spanish and french online since like the end of last year uh-huh. while i've been in colombia and it's just funny because like i have students ranging mm-hmm. from literally like from like five-year-olds through like 70-year-olds and so, like, on any given day, I go from, oh, like, yeah. you're younger than all my kids to, like, you were born in the 80s. You must have, you must remember World War II. Like, legitimately. <laughs> that's not an exaggeration. That's a, that's a question I got. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot. It's, um, it's a funny perspective, like, the gamut, and which is kind of like a reflective of like what my 20s was like like being in the navy and on the ship for a long time where like people were showing up as like 18 year olds and then going and working in uh like as a diplomat where all of a sudden i was like everyone has families and kids and you know i'm like you know yeah. like who's who's, <laughs> who's going like you know like like what's going on this weekend kind of thing so anyway how about how about you been? Great. I've been well, just being a nomad, traveling. It's your life. Last time, like last, like actual, actual update I got from you was your, was your train trip. Which train trip? I just remember you were doing like a wasn't it like a cross country train trip? Oh uh, yeah, uh, February of last year, I uh, traveled from pretty much DC to Reno, Nevada, and then down south to Mississippi, where I hung out for a while. Then I started traveling again. What's up? And that's where you are now? Mississippi? Yes, I'm back in Mississippi. I'm supposed to leave for Spain uh, within a couple weeks. I saw something about the Alicante, right? Right. Let me double check where... Or let let me learn. (laughs) Let me not... uh, It's below. Okay, Valencia. It's on the... um, Yeah, 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 it's on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's a beautiful part, and it's like a, and it'll be a good place for you because it won't be quite as touristy as like being in Barcelona or something, where like, you know, they'll hear like right. a non-native accent and be like, "Oh, you speak English," whereas like you still get you still get like Mediterranean kind of stuff. You get. Uh, I bet you'll still have a lot of like the Moorish history, which oh, is like my favorite cool. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I went. I went. We went. Me to learn. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. My my dad's been telling me to learn about the Moors for a long time now, so he'll be glad that I'm. Oh, doing. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I will pass on. I will pass on what I know. Have you ever seen the video comparing Spanish to Arabic? No. Okay, that's something I use in my classes all the time. 
Um, let me, I'm actually going to open our messenger chat as we're talking because I feel like we'll probably need um, some stuff. So you've done, you've done how many? You've done, you've done one so far in this little like series you're doing? Wait, for podcasts? Mm-hmm. I've done a couple. Um, yeah, uh, I think you're my fourth or fifth. Oh, okay. I'm way behind. I right, here you are. Here's <laughs> uh, uh, very well, fun. Yeah. Well, I'm, no, I'm going I'm excited. So, like, I I've never been down in Colombia during uh, Easter weekend, and I didn't realize. I didn't uh-huh. expect everything to like close like real hard. Like it's like you know, there's like. You know, I feel like there are more restaurants and bars that have opened during Christmas than there are during uh, this whole week. So the, most kids are off school this week, and then this weekend there was like a hard shutting off, like like the the jazz jam session I play on on Thursday nights. Like the, the you know they canceled this week, mm-hmm. so that hasn't been a lot. Uh, so it's a very slow weekend, so this was a good chance to finally get in on this. Uh, I guess good. So. Do you have a do we do you have a topic or are we are we just going off the dome? So first we're just talking and I think things will just flow naturally and we'll learn and okay. educate people like you talk. All right. Well I do have something I want to talk about because it's been on my Good. mind. <laughs> it's been on my mind. Well I'm basically excited. it's been basically in my mind my mind forever, as long as I've like played played music, but particularly as of late, as I've like been playing a lot of jazz again and all that kind of stuff. And so I will ask you. So something that I've always found amazing about music, that 22, a little more, more than two decades in of like pretty consistent music playing, the answer I've never gotten a question to, the question I've never gotten an answer to, excuse me, uh, is uh-huh. what makes a good melody a good melody? And huh. what I've found incredible is that like with all the harmony and scales and music history and everything that I've learned that there really isn't, there isn't anything, there's no way to teach it. There's nothing that Mm -hmm. delineates what a good melody is. What, what, what that ear, you know, the idea of the earworm, right? What sticks with you? What doesn't? And, you know, every, you know, from everything from like, from Baroque to trap, like what is it about melodies (laughs) that like and on right and world music and all that kind of stuff what is it that there's i don't think there's anything that i don't even know if you can teach it i think you just have to have a story so i wanted your thoughts on this okay uh so i think a big part of it is flow because it has to like like flow you know because if it if it like shifts or changes too much then it kind of takes you out of the moment and it has to um has to go where you're expecting it to go sometimes, but not too much because then it's predictable. So it's still be like captivating in a way. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Have you heard? And I'm looking it up as we're talking. Uh, three times. I think it's Steve Martin. Ah uh, no. It's like some of like the you know old head legendary. Um, comedians. It does, I'm looking it up, but I do not see it being Steve Martin. But basically, it's like to, for something to be funny, you got to tell it, you got to say it, you say it again, you repeat it, mm-hmm. and then the third time you change it up. Yeah, 
you know, it's almost like, you know, knock, knock, jokes don't quite happen. It's like, you know, like, but everything is normal, right? Knock, knock, who's there? And then you say a word, mm-hmm. and who's that? And then the third time it's going to surprise you, right? So I think right. a lot of times, I think that's like something that's innate in like, you know, just, I don't know, Western culture, our concept of like geometry, triangles, Pythagorean theorem, whatever you want to get into, you know, like that kind of thing that like, you know, so you have a lot of music that's A, A, B, A, right? So, um, you know, melody that we bonded over a million times, right? Uh, isn't she lovely, right? Is, isn't she lovely, right, right. you know, like you got an A, isn't she lovely? Yeah. Pretty, dun, 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 dun. Um, then you have to go to that. I never thought, right? You got to go up to the bridge. Right, right. Oh, maybe it's one thing. Isn't she lovely? And then you go back and you have that recap- recapitulation, right? So that's just basic structure, right? It doesn't necessarily mean melody right, right. the follow. Uh, so having that basic structure. I think a lot of times melody, the best melodies, and I'm sure you've had this as someone's written songs, you know it's a good melody when it's like, I know I've heard that before. And you're like, no, you haven't because I came up with it. Like, <laughs> right? I'm sure you've had that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's times when things feel or sound familiar. Right. And I think, I think there needs to be some level of familiarity. You, you know the Paul McCartney yesterday story, right? Tell me. Paul McCartney dreamt the melody to yesterday uh-huh. and woke up panicked, like wrote it down and was convinced I have plagiarized this and like was searching, searching, and talked to like George Martin, the legendary producer that's basically considered called the fifth Beatle is the, basically the reason the Beatles ever did anything of value. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're like, I'm, I'm almost certain that this is not anything new. Like that this is, um, this is yours. This is something that mm-hmm. you can write it. Like you're not gonna like you know you're not gonna buy us into like some massive lawsuit or anything. Um, and so like to him there was something so familiar about yesterday, and it kind of like it it asked the question. Then it's almost like the conversations again going back to math that like people mm-hmm. wonder like are we discovering math or are we creating math like you know as like the theories get crazier and you know there's string theory and like physics and all that kind of stuff right like is this stuff that's always existed or are we like creating it right are we finding these formulas is the universe written in these formulas or are we creating the formulas to make sense of the of what's not there in the universe and so i think melodies are like that i feel like when you write a melody yeah. you know it feels like it's always been there right it feels like right. it, it, it's not anything you created, you know, like, you, you know, the one melody, like the, that, you know, like in 22 years, I've written one melody. I think that's worth, like, you know, that's worth the shit. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't, th- mm-hmm. it's almost like, I th- it's really I good. Was, yeah. Thank you. Um, and it's almost like I didn't write it. It's just, it's there. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that makes sense. The bridge is the only thing that makes sense. Like, I can't do anything about it. It's just like, it's like I found an artifact. Like, like I'm an Egyptologist. I brushed off the thing. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yeah. and like, there it was. It's not even mine. And I've heard that a lot from other, other kinds of things. Now, I think there's also a lot of, and then we often, we often also do repeat. So, um, a good example is, uh, I think it's Chopin 
in E minor. I wish I had a piano. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you may not like a prelude in E minor. Oh, it's 28 number four, which again probably doesn't mean a whole lot if I just say those numbers, right? But if right. let me see if I'm sure this audio quality you know will not be great, but let's see if you can hear enough. you've heard this original like Chopin thing because it's been so used um like it is like one of the like most recycled melodies so this is this is how insensitive or insensitive from uh Tom Chopin Brazilian composer of Girl from Ipanema and all that kind of stuff yeah so check this out So you heard that? Yeah, that's, and that it's basically yeah. I mean it's you know, it's got some flourish and stuff like that, but it's that same half step in the descending, like basically like you know, without getting too like musically nerdy for you know people listening who like you know haven't spent two decades analyzing musical harmonies like this loser has. But like it's uh-huh. basically like a minor <laughs> it's a minor chord and you're descending like it's called modes the modes of minor. So you're just kind of going down. It's the same thing that like um <laughs> you know what's what the, another popular song that does like the down the modes of minor is um he was singing da 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 boom there goes the mother used to say what is that song uh blue can trail hit him up style right i don't know you know this song joshua uh I, yes, I know this do. song. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, while he was scheming, I was beaming in the beamer, just beaming. Can't believe that a common man cheating. That sounds okay. What song is that? Yeah, it's like. Um, yeah. I, well, this is this is not an example of Chopin melody for the for, for the listeners, but it is. It does have a little bit of that minor kind of thing. This song, and I know, like whoever, whoever listens to this is gonna be like Joshua. How do you not know this? Other than what that? Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not singing the same octave. So there's a part where she, like, where she goes. And that's um, that's the modes of minor. Anyway, that's a side note little musical tangent getting back to Chopin 
and this melody. And it's basically, it's about as simple as you can get, right? It's literally, it is as simple as you can get. It's a half step, right? Right? It's that all the musical, the melody's got all the musical sophistication of Jaws, right? No, 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 no. It's nothing. There is nothing. Like I said, it is literally just, you know, two, like a black and a white key on the piano. You know, obviously everything is what's happening beneath it, right? On the left hand of the piano, the kind of stuff. And then you have, so you had Tom Joe Bang who took that melody. And then you had Radiohead. This is uh, called Exit Music for a Film. This is, uh, mm-hmm. Radiohead wrote it for the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. Have you seen that? Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio? No, I haven't. Like the, it's like the modern version of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I've heard yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very good, a lot of fun. A very fun way of telling it. Baz Luhrmann's the same guy who did like Moulin Rouge and all that kind of stuff, if you've ever seen that. Yeah. So, anyway. I also know. Very bad at that. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's because you've, like, you haven't been, like, you know, you were probably, like, cooler in high school than I was, um, and, like, weren't, like, just, like... I really wasn't. <laughs> Not at all. Well, you had friends or something, no. because I was, like, you were making all these, like, cross-cultural connections, and, like, um, you know, wishing girls would like me. Um, and, uh... Yeah, no, same. Like, it's a rough season. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Anyway, so so you can do that, right? You can also like, so you can have like, so there's like maybe the geometry of the song, right? We talked about that, like ABA or you know putting in the like the bridge that's a little different. Another right. you know the song that we both love that we played a million times is uh. What's the winning thing we did? Um, Sitting all my love for you, right? That's an ABA, right? It's got the bridge, right? What's the bridge? Um, right, right. We'd run away together, right? It does like a different thing in the, on the bridge just to change it up. Then you have like the reference, right? So that like people, right, right. you know, I, I'm i very sure a lot of people listening to Radiohead did not know that I was a Chopin, basically a reworking of Chopin melody. I don't, I'm sure a lot of people listening to Bossa Nova and listening to Tom Jobim didn't realize they were listening to Chopin melody, right? And why, like, and it, the Chopin's melody is so subtle that, like, it's almost like not plagiarism because, like, what you're basically just plagiarizing two notes for a lot of it, you know? Da, 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 da. Um, right. So, I guess, you know, so there's that. There's, like, you take the piece of the familiar thing, right? And there's a million examples of that. Um, you know, um, uh, 
this might be more of your taste, your classic taste. Uh, Love lift us up where we belong till the eagles fly on a mountain high. Nope. Oh, you tell me good singing that. Um, so that was written by a guy named Joe Sample, who was like this jazz fusion guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that song called? No, I'm sorry. I'm super confusing. That's, that's a much more famous song. I'm thinking of one day I'll fly away. Leave all this to yesterday. See, I got it confused because they're both in Moulin Rouge, which is, <laughs> we're working on the thing, which is something that I really loved when I was 15. Um, ah. One day I'll fly away. So it's a singer named Randy Crawford, uh-huh. who a lot of people don't know because she was like, she, one of those people who became more famous in Europe than in the States. Um, then they redid it in Moulin Rouge. Um, but the melody is pulling from, let's see the Wikipedia article. It's, oh yeah. Do, 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 do. And it's, it's just uh, Tchaikovsky's Waltz of the Flowers from the Nutcracker. Which is one of my favorite little clarinet things in hard to shoot clarinet. I can probably <laughs> uh, clarinet. Clarinet is like an <laughs> evil, evil instrument, uh, which plays a really beautiful dividend when you do it right. So they, I mean, again, he just basically took the opening melody. So you see that a lot. Um, you know, you know the music from West Side Story? Nope. I mean, I'm familiar yeah. with it. I just right. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you've, you've seen it or you've heard some, some of the songs, right? Do you know? Um, right, I've heard some of this. Do you know the song uh, "Somewhere"? There's a place for love. Da 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 da. Do 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 do. Um, bet your listeners, <laughs> bet your listeners, are really excited to get me like that, like like uh, a concert of half hummed melodies. Um, so that uh, th- sure. so that's the song somewhere. It's a really great song from West Side. That's a good line. Concert of half hummed melodies. What's that? Half that's a good line. Melodies, yeah. Concert of half hummed melodies. <laughs> that down. Uh, so it's uh, so yeah, it's a really famous song from West Side Story. But all that is is mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a Beethoven piano concerto. It's um, it's uh, I think it's like the Emperor Control or something like that. It's like the second movement, which is normally like the slow movement. Um, so all of that is to say, if you know plagiarism, what is it? Wasn't it that like uh, imitation is a sincere, most sincere form of flattery? That's what people say or something. So right. there is a way of doing that, right? Yeah. You know, the, the jazz, the bebop musicians, they stole chord progressions from, like, the great American standards because if they, like, put a different melody on the chords then they could get composer credits and get, like, a little more money, you know, as they were going to be exploited by record companies. So, like, you know, there's a long tradition of that. Obviously, sampling in hip-hop is, like, the most, you know, notable, obvious example in our modern music, right? All of that is to say... I feel like it's got to have some familiarity, even if you don't know exactly why. Maybe it's kind of like something, but it's not like 
like I took my cousins to see me playing. Well, just to see me sit in. It's not like it was my gig or anything. Uh-huh. And I played this old jazz standard called Beautiful Love, which isn't famous really in, a, in and of itself. There are like a lot of famous vocal versions of it, but it's got like just like this really simple, pretty melody. It's and it just like it like outlines the chords nicely and it plays in my cousin my cousin was like what is that i know that and I'm, I'm like i'm almost sure you don't because it's like it's never been in a movie soundtrack i don't even like ella probably recorded but it's right. not like one of her biggest hits or like sinatra you know like i can't you know you know, with like in all humility, I feel like uh-huh. if I don't know a classic version of it, like a classic vocal version of it, I don't think that the, I don't think it's there. Um, so you know, but why is you know that song is probably like you know, no younger than like 80 years old. Why did my cousin 2022 who doesn't listen to jazz or listen to any of that kind of stuff, doesn't speak English, mm-hmm. heard that melody and was like, oh, that's something, right? Um, right. Anyway, no, it's a thing, and like, because I'll, I'll go to play a song that typically will play original, and people like, like, oh, I know that song. I'm like, probably don't. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I remember uh, in high school, a friend's dad who was like a little, he was like a musician and stuff. Like, like his his son was a good jazz saxophone player, a really good jazz saxophone player. Uh, and his dad was like more mm-hmm. like a singer songwriter, and like you know, it was like you know, we'd play like you know. Like uh, was the House of the Rising Sun with him and stuff like that. Um, and he said that that it's like you know the be- like the best I've ever felt about any song I ever wrote was people being like I know that from somewhere. So whether you do that right. through like actual like stealing of a melody or or pieces of a melody, or just from familiarity. Now there's also. Uh, you know, you who write lyrics, uh, like actual, like translations, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I had like this like little medium article that I did, the like, uh, like in this blog that like I no longer keep up, that I've kind of turned it into the TikTok that, uh, that I told you about, but sometimes I'll still post. Next thing, I think I've actually let it like now. I've uh, what should we call it? Uh, I've let it expire, so I probably don't even have access to it anymore. Uh, but um, oh, so, all right. Basically, like, but it was like an article on like it was like a little piece on songs that have um songs that have been translated but that they're not they're not translations of the lyrics but they're just reimaginations with the same melody so like la vie en rose like there's an english version right like you know edpf saying it and then like louis armstrong louis armstrong has that very famous version right that was in like wally and stuff um you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. so um, but that's like an actual trans- don't think i do i don't think i'm you know, it was like you. You know, if you've like been around anyone who plays an accordion, like like the what? What are the English lyrics? Uh, 
Hold me close and hold me fast. The magic spell oh, you cast. Um, Rose? Yeah, yeah. Like you can't have like you can't yeah. have like watched the movie and like you know it's like I said it's like you know the opening scene of Wally is like you know I love all Wally. based around that yeah. song. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, and Wally's a fantastic movie, especially that first half. Um, so it's one of my top three favorite. Yeah, it's great. I had like uh, a small, almost side note. So I had like, I had like this friend of a friend in college, like my sophomore year. Like I ended up having, I was like, friend, we had a mutual friend, so we had lunch almost every day together, and like just like the school cafeteria. Uh huh. Um, and she was obsessed with that movie, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen it. And she's like, you have to watch it. And she basically told me this weekly. And then junior year, I didn't see her as much. We always like we would run into each other on campus. We'd be like, you seen Wally yet? And I'm like, no. And she's like, I have it on DVD. We're gonna watch it together. And I was like, okay, sure. And we basically had like this like running joke, junior year, and then my senior year. We every time we see each other, did. And then like about like a few weeks out from the end of the semester, um, I saw her and I was like, do you want to watch this? Do you want to like, you want to come over and actually watch this? And she's like, yeah, it's been two years. Let's do it. And she came over and yeah, it was really moving, really beautiful. Uh, so her name was Kelly Turner then. I think she's gotten married since. So I don't know what her last name would be now. But it's, you know, if the magic of the internet likes hard to lead to this, you know, it's like that I will, you know, leads her back to this somehow. I will always remember the fact that like, that yeah, she like, you know, didn't give up on me in terms of that. And as someone who is very obnoxious about like the things like you need to see this, you need to hear this because I know that this is what you like creative person you need. So, uh, right. Okay. Um, so anyway, side note. so that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Pearl, uh, like the, that old song, the last kiss has been translated a lot. Like, but it's like literally translated. You know which one I'm talking about? Um, oh, uh, do, 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 uh, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, Pearl Jam had a version of it when we were like when you were really young, and I, I was like, I mean, I was like nine or ten. Uh, but it's like an old. There was like a genre in the fifties of like teen tragedy. They like they wanted like you know, okay. like hits were about like kids dying like like prematurely, and so it's about like a car accident. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Like concrete angel. Ooh, like concrete angel. It's another song about like children dying. Oh, okay, but this is a recent. I'm talking about like in like the 50s, it was like a genre of like just teen teen tragedy, uh, and like it was in the movie. It was in the movies too, right? Like James Dean, right? Like I think it was like you know that generation, like the boomer generation, like they were just like confronting their mortality kind of thing. But anyway, like there are versions of that in different languages, but those are literal yeah. translations. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Um, actual reimagination with different lyrics um, and sometimes some sometimes some uh, melody mm-hmm. alterations to make the lyrics fit. Uh, do you know the song What a Difference a Day Makes? 
Um, I do not, but I have another example that okay. I think works. What's that? Uh, it's uh, a Lauren Hill song. Uh, Can't take my eyes off you. I don't know if it's that one. Maybe it's that one. That was that was redone. No. Well, well, she herself was covering "Can't Take My Eyes Off You," so I don't know if that's what you mean. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like there was an original that was like a completely different. No, but that's just the cover. She's just you know, it's just a modern version of it. I'm talking about like actually like so it's a language. I'm talking well in language changes. Like when you translate, well, when you rewrite new lyrics in a language, like if you listen to a, a really beautiful song in like Mandarin and you're like, I'm going to write English lyrics and they're not going to have anything to do with the original lyrics. See what I'm saying? So what a difference gotcha. a day makes is like, um, yeah. Dinah Washington has the very, like has the very famous version. Like, you know, like got like that old, like singing sound, like, you know, what a difference a day makes 24 little hey. hours. That was like uh, was a translation of a song in Spanish by a woman, a Mexican woman named Mexican composer named Maria Grever. Pulling up information, and it was called "Cuando vuelva a tu lado." You know, when I return to your side. Cuando vuelva a tu lado, no me niegues tus besos. Really beautiful song. I wasn't talking about can't take my eyes off you. I was talking about the shaman mom hanging with his fingers. Okay. Because that's yeah. definitely written, written as a response to, um, yeah, yeah. Because we're talking, yeah, like, yeah. talking about, about like the, the day that the music died when, like, you know, that artist passed away from like that, you know, Miss American Pie. Don McLean. Mm-hmm. Right. Don McLean. And the way that Lauren Hill reimagined it was a completely different topic. Because she even like puts like a religious connotation onto it as well. Who was it? So, all right, yeah. So Roberta Fife just wrote, sang the original, but it was a song composed by Charles Fox with lyrics by Norman Gimble, and the lyrics were written in collaboration with Lori Lieberman, an American singer-songwriter. And she was inspired by a Don McLean performance. Okay, I thought Roberta had written it. Um, and yeah, she just had the chart top new one. But yeah, Don McLean. Um, side note, Don McLean. Have you heard Vincent? No. It, he writes a song basically like as a as a um, as an homage to Vincent Van Gogh. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then James Blake has a really nice modern version of it. Um. So yeah, like you can have covers, yeah, like you're talking about, but again, like, you know, it's like not necessarily changing the melody. Sometimes you'll have like with these translations, they'll have like slight melody alterations. Um, there's some stuff with like mm-hmm. going from Spanish to French that like I found. Uh, I Wish You Love, you know that song? No. I wish you bluebirds in the spring. It's always easy to recognize melodies when you don't have the lyrics. Um, <laughs> I think that's Lena Horn has a famous version of that. Uh, I wish you. It was in like some commercial because I remember hearing yeah Nancy Wilson. Um, so I wish you bluebirds in the spring to give your heart a song to sing and then a kiss. But more than this, I wish you love. Um, that's an English translation of a French song that's really popular. 
Um, My Way, Frank Sinatra, that's another French song that they redid. Um, So, you know, that's a way of writing a great melody, you know, even though it's not really (laughs) your melody, right? But a lot of times it changed the lyrics and changed a couple of things. And then, and then I don't, you know, but then there's also just the magic, right? There's just like, there's the thing that you can't explain. There's, there's, um, the, the touch that you can't you can't uh, you can't put your finger on uh, like right. you know what's your do you have like an all time favorite melody which you know it's like an impossible question to ask or like like if like alright um, what's the song if like you know you're with your family and they're like you know bring out the guitar you know bring out the guitar sing us a song and you know it's gotta be like Something that like you don't want to pander to them, right? And play like you know the most famous song ever, but like you don't want to say, do something completely new, right? Because you want you know you you always want to start off with a little familiarity, right? There's nothing to me that like is more like turning off with them, like when when an artist is like, oh, I'm gonna start with an original, like unless unless you're original, unless like unless like you're like <laughs> your original is like you know. Like you're like Drake, and it's like nice for what or something. I think nice for what would probably go at the end of the show, you know. Unless you're like you know Michael Jackson, and like you're coming out to like you know remember the time. Like I don't want to hear your original first, and I'm like open to it. But give me give me something to start with, right? Like give me something that I can put my mind on. So like, what's the melody song that you're playing right away? Yeah, I, I, you're. Right. I typically will start a, a gig with a um like an appetizer of something that's familiar. Um, like you've, you've heard both of these songs. Like I'll either do Sunday morning by Maroon 5 or, mm-hmm. um, or uh, Budapest by George Ezra. But if it's like my family okay. in particular, I would definitely do uh, A Change Is Gonna Come. Okay. What do you love about A Change Is Gonna Come? Musically, like the nuts and bolts of it. Um, well... And if you struggle to explain it, I I will also struggle to explain it. Right? Like, what is it about it? Like, so there, there, there's a couple things. Like, there's that very chill and gentle melody that just kind of carries you through the whole song. And like, even when the music starts to swell and pick you up, it's like a gentle breeze that takes you along with it. Um, like, it, you're constantly in, in, in enamored the entire time. But then on top of that, you have these very sincere and vulnerable lyrics. It speaks to like our existence. Yeah, I mean, and, and I almost like want to take out the social con- like context because it's like so. You know, this is the all-time great. You know, probably the greatest part of this song of all time. You know, it's hard, right? You don't want to get into like mm-hmm. categories, right, and stuff like that. You know, like what's going on, obviously, that kind of thing. But I, you know, it's probably you know, it's probably you know, it's the it's the thing that like you know when you watch you know. Dead Zap portraying Malcolm X is the song that Spike Lee chooses to, you know, as like, you know, spoiler alert, Malcolm like is marching to his death. Um that like right. is doing, you know, that like but it's like music, what is it about it? You know? Yeah, I mean it could be anything, right? Like you could like you, know, you could have written that song, you could have made that song like like if it doesn't have the social context of it and stuff like that, like you could like maybe it's like a, a like you know a damn serial jingle, right? It's like it's still got the earworm in it, right? It could have been about the most 
the most lewd kind of thing. It could have been the most corny lyrics and stuff like that. And that melody is still probably going to be in your head, right? You know, it could have been like a mediocre singer and not one of the great all-time, you know, voices that we've ever had, right? You know, there's some, like, there are, like, basic things, right? Like, do you know what a pentatonic scale is? Yeah. Yes. It's just, you know, the standard, yeah. all, like, you know, right. common denominator of music all over the world, right? Like, you know. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, it's playing on a lot of that, right? Um, right. It's going, you know, it's got, like... You know, and if this were like a visual thing, I would show you this like Family Guy video. I don't know if we ever talked about it, like while we were, like we were sitting and playing. But like it's like Stewie Griffin showing you like how to like play through the chords of the song, and it's like a joke. And it's basically like it's like you know, oh yeah, we talked about it, right? It's like yeah. you know, like I'm in my house, G major, and it's nice. And then I step out, and then it's C major, and it's a nice day out. And then like you know, it's D major, and I'm like you know, now it's really you know, I'm like on a nice walk. And then I'm home, but then it starts to get dark, E minor, <laughs> or like, no, no, it's a B minor, oh, now the clouds are rolling in, and it's E minor, and like, oh, it's like really some like, you know, bad weather out here, you know, it kind of like does like this um kind of thing, and so, you know, like, Kenny's gonna come, and has, you know, nice meaty chords, but it's not like abstract, you know, and like... It hits all the things, and then, you know, and then you add the context of, you know, like, revolution and, like, you know, just what it meant and stuff like that. Um, you know, and there's, like, you know, the Supreme, you know, better, you know, another more experienced podcast, more podcast and stuff like that. But, like, there's all this stuff about, you know, like, how he, like, wrote it after being, like, denied entry into, like, uh, a hotel. He wrote it, you know, like, you know, Blowing in the Wind, Bob Dylan? Yeah, it, like he wrote it like he was like really inspired by that because then like you know yeah. there was a lot of stuff. There's a really great movie called One Night in Miami about like the night Muhammad Ali became heavyweight champion of the world and it's Ali Malcolm. You've seen it? Oh, okay. See, it's funny. Like I give you like all these like classics that like people you know generally our age have seen and you haven't seen it, but you've seen One Night in Miami. That's funny. I mean, it's, I lo- I watched it. My- you watched it what? I watched it right before my train trip with my family. Oh wow, that's heavy. Yeah, I love that movie. I love so much. I love a lot about it, and obviously Leslie Odom's performance is like, transcendent, right? Especially like the way he sings it at the end yeah. and stuff. So all those are good things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, good. So then you know, right? And it's like the challenging, right? It's like how is this little white boy from Minnesota gonna write like this like great song and like you know what Cook and like Cook is like like most embarrassed about it, he's like it's good that's a great song right like there's something special about that song right you know what is special about blowing in the wind you know we could do like the same kind of thing and that's even an even simpler melody right you know but what is it about it's like you know how many must a, what is it how many roads must a man go down before he can call himself a man that's, you know, it's as, it's as simple as that, man. And I don't know. And it's like, I think, you know, you know, you know, a little bit of my background, I think one of the reasons I stepped away from jazz for so long was because everyone is doing all this kind of stuff. And then I realized, 
none of them can, they're never going to be able to write a melody. And that's fine. Not everyone is meant to write a melody. I'm not meant to write a melody, you know, like I'm not going to write, you know, like I'm like, you know, I'm never going to write, you know, it's going to come. I'm never even going to write a, a, a serial jingle. <laughs> However, I knew that there was something I at least wanted to like not kid myself. <laughs> and like, people were like talking about this like esoteric bullshit that like, it's like, no one wants to hear this. I don't want to hear it. I'd like to at least play something I want to hear, right? And so if I'm not going to write the songs, I at least want to play the songs that mean something to me. It means something to my family, you know? Yeah. That's where, like, I stepped back and I was learning a lot of, like, like classic Colombian songs, a lot of boleros and that kind of stuff. I got to, like, play, like, a little, con- like, you know, I just, like, played for my, like, grandfather in the living room, like, before, like, you know, like, before he, last time I saw him. And there's all this kind of like, you know, stuff like I just came back from Dominican Republic and like they asked me to play pull out saxophone mm-hmm. for my girlfriend's grandmother who was turning a hundred. And, you know, to have the, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, crazy. So, yeah. Wow. Raised 18 children was having children until her late forties. Yeah. There were, she had great, great grandchildren at the party. That was exciting. Uh, I've never seen anyone have great, great grandchildren. So um, Dominicans also kind of live forever. They're yeah. like, they're like Sardinians or Japanese people. They just like, they live, they live, they live, they live mad long. So like, it's the sunshine. What's that? They say, uh, it's, they say it's the platano. They say it's the plantain that keeps them alive for so long. So yeah, yeah. I believe it. So like having those songs, right. To make those connections with people and like, because, you know, ultimately nothing changes your life like a great melody, right? There's nothing. Definitely. And and that's what I'm, I'm so fascinated by across genres, you know, what, you know, and like playing all these songs on piano and like singing along and playing them, especially like something that like I try to practice a lot nowadays, especially my saxophone is like playing acapella because it's like up until recently until I came back to Colombia and I was and I started to go to a lot of I found like a, a pretty solid jam session scene here and I've been playing more with the rhythm section for the I've been playing with the rhythm section more than I have probably since I was like in college and uh, which for people who mm-hmm. know me was a very very long time ago it was like three presidents ago <laughs> um, <laughs> it was all it was like one like it was like before Game of Thrones. <laughs> if like it tells you how long ago that was. I was like in an, like I was in college during early seasons of Grey's Anatomy. If that tells you like how how um <laughs> yeah, yeah. um and but before that a lot of my playing is just people and like you know like what I had to do in DR was people like you know as you know especially like in, in any sort of global south culture like ranging you know from Black Americans to like you know, anywhere in the diaspora to like you know, Latin America, Middle East, all the you know, all these kind of like people who like have that sense of family and community. Basically, anyone that isn't like you know, stiff Anglo Northern Europeans who like hate music a lot of the time. Um, and um, <laughs> and like you know, they're like, bring out your instrument, right? And like, that's a really hard thing to do as a wind instrumentalist. It's basically like you know, like if someone asked you like to sing acapella, right? Like, you got to choose a melody. Like, you know, there are great melodies that don't, uh, that don't sound good alone because they don't have the chords. Honestly, probably that Chopin melody, like, you know, in Sensate's 
or the Radiohead song, it doesn't make sense because it's only a half step, right? And you don't have the you don't have the harmony beneath it. A song that I remember I, I heard someone on the ship, mm-hmm. um, like when I was in I was in the Navy for a long time, and there was like a karaoke thing, and there was this kid who was a nice singer, but he sang "Ordinary People" a cappella, and that just doesn't make sense, right? Like you know. Mm-hmm. Girl, I'm in love with you. This ain't no honeymoon. Past the infatuation phase. I mean, it's all right, but I feel like so much of that song is the is the Latin the piano, right? You know, boom, dun, dun. Oh yeah, because like, right? Yeah. To like sing it a cappella, sing it a cappella. Like, I feel like doesn't do it right. You know, like, well, you you don't hear everything that's going on. You know, you, you could probably get it. You know, past the you know. Well, the thing is, is that you have to take into consideration that like John Legend isn't just a singer, but like a pianist. So when he's like writing and expressing himself in this song, the the piano has just as much of a voice as his voice. Right, so it's almost a duet. Exactly, exactly. And so like for but you know going back to One Night in Miami, and if you haven't seen it, you know you're listening to this, then like you know then you might like then I apologize, like because you need to uh, mm. that like. When he sings Chain Gang a cappella, Jackie Wilson cuts the music on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's, that to me ultimately is like the, that is the ultimate in music making. That is the trans, like, that is like the final, like, you know, Super Saiyan form of musician. Like when you, <laughs> without any sort of accompaniment, as a one melody instrument, as a one note melody instrument can do that. And that's basically like what I'll probably spend the rest of my life trying and failing to do is to have, to be able to convey a melody and a rhythm all on your own. I had in going back to college, one of my my best friend in college is one of the best musicians I ever know. Like I ever, one of the best saxophonists I've ever heard. Maybe my favorite saxophonist, like outside of like, you know, the greats, like people I knew personally. And he was, uh, he toured with Fantasia Barino for a long time or like a year like a year or two or something like that. Um, and his family's from Sicily. And one, a moment of realization for us in college was him telling me that he was like at a family get together and an uncle took out an accordion and an uncle took out an accordion and he um, started playing and like everyone started singing along and he realized with everything I've learned, I can't do that. You know, like, you know, he was already starting to, like, go on tours and stuff like that. And he wasn't capable of just playing a melody for his family. And so, yeah, and there are a lot of musicians like that. A lot of them, like a lot of, like, you know, people with record deals and stuff like that, especially among instrumentalists. If you ask them to play, they're going to play you like some, like, complicated, like, messy version. And maybe they play like like a recognizable song, but to, like, just be able to sit on your own acapella acapella. And play a melody is the hardest thing to do in music. Hmm. I, I ended up working backwards because when I was younger, I would just be listening and like singing. But I came to the point when I was more into music and I needed a way to support myself and my sound that I picked up a guitar. And so I would be learning guitar for the simple purpose of accompanying myself. And then it got to the point where once I was comfortable playing guitar and singing, I started feeling naked if I didn't have my guitar. So I had to like do the opposite <laughs> and be comfortable singing. Right. Way. Like you over you overcompensate, right? 
to sing something. Like, oh, I don't have my guitar. Like, wait, I didn't always sing my sing. How did how did I get like this? You know. Say that last word again. Sorry, you cut out. Uh, no worries. When people would be like, "Ah, oh, sing something," and I would say, "Oh, I don't have my guitar." But I didn't always need my guitar to be able to sing. So I'm like, "When did I get this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it's like you know, and it's something I talk a lot about. Um, um, with like you know, because I teach languages now, you know, basically for like pseudo living while mm-hmm. while I wait to go back to school in August. Is that like you know languages and music, um, you know, like so something that I know you understand is basically like this is a lifetime journey, and it's like people come up to me and it's like I want to be fluent, and it's like and it's it's not like losing thirty pounds, right? Because once you've lost thirty pounds, you've lost thirty pounds, right? Like you know, like right. it's like kind of like maintaining and physical fitness or whatever. But like this is something you will always be working on forever and ever, For sure. and most of the time you're going to be really dissatisfied and you're going to be really frustrated and it's a hard thing and people don't want to hear it and they almost get mad at me especially because like the company i work for like advertises like you know fluency and however many hours and i'm like you know i'm sorry you know i've got like you know Uh i've got a nigerian prince friend a nigerian prince friend too like if you believe that like that um you know like you've been like you know you're basically like a victim of a tinder swindler if like if you're gonna believe that, so it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so. But I tell you, this is a lifestyle. This is like something, and music is the same way. It's like it is. Um, I had a, a conversation with a friend who asked me to go do something last night, and we were talking about it, and 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 I was telling her, it's like you know, it's tragic. It's like you know, I don't, well, I mostly don't like what I play, and like, but. All I know, especially like, you know, in the context of a jam session where like, you know, you take your solo and stuff like that. Um, but mm-hmm. if, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm going, if I'm going, if I'm going down, which I feel like I'm like doomed to do, do because, you know, I am like a mere mortal, like trying to play the music of like gods, you know, like, you know, following the footsteps of like Charlie Parker, John Culture, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That like, I'm going, you know, it's like, you know, like, uh, it's like, you know, Hallmark store kind of like, you know, shoot for the moon, like, you know, end up in the stars kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm going to like give you everything I got. Right. Yeah, yeah. And right. it's because it's like, you know, it's part of like, you have to love this process. You have to love, you know, like whether you're making beats or whether you're like trying to play like classical violin or something like that, you have to like love the, mm-hmm. the nitty gritty and like, you know, like, why isn't this quite in tune? Or why isn't this like, what am I missing in this melody that I'm writing or something like that? It's like, it's in those painful, fine details that, uh, that the art, that like the art comes in, right? Like you may, like, I feel like I've had maybe five times in my life had the feeling, that feeling of like, musical nirvana like the trend like that like transcendence like feet leaving the ground and i can remember all of them and i can tell you when it happened like you know like why it happened basically like what in the energy in the room took me to that other place where um where i was no longer like treading water but i was you know swimming laps 
you know, I was synchronized swimming, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I had like the crazy, like, you know, I'm gesturing here on an audio platform, but like, you know, I had the crazy legs, you know, from like synchronized swimming teams going. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that's for like a lifetime of study, right? <laughs> it's just like, um, and so I don't know. And like, in, like, you know, even with like melody writing and that kind of stuff, it's just like, there's so many unknowns. Right. But I guess it's like anything, right. It's like great, right. Like, you know, great, like novel, right. The playwriting, my brother being a playwright or probably like, you know, great, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, high level math research, high level physics, all this kind of stuff, like where you're, you know, when you're not necessarily trying to solve a problem, like, you know, an organization, activism law, that kind of stuff, when you're trying to like open the world right like find like in that you know we can as we like near an hour we can like right. end on this idea of like you know are we creating are we discovering and a lot of the time i feel like right it's like a discovery kind of thing we're opening this world like like did like you know you know obviously people created hip-hop right but it like i don't think there's a you know like i don't know how like nerdy you are into like marvel and all this kind of stuff and like so, okay, yeah, so the superhero Marvel. stuff and all this kind of stuff are, like, this amazing new movie that I'm chomping at a bit to see, like, uh, everything everywhere all at once, then, like, this multiversal idea kind of thing. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a there's a universe where there's no hip-hop, you know what I mean? I feel like that had to have happened. I don't feel like there's a universe where that, like, Stevie's genius period doesn't happen. I don't feel like there's a universe where Duke Ellington doesn't happen. I don't feel like there's a universe where there's no Beethoven. I feel like those had to be there. I feel like they were, like discovered as much as anything like you know and they talk about that like they talk about that i think it's in like loki or no it's yeah i think it's like in the loki series on disney plus where it's like they're like they're inevitabilities no it's uh Mm -hmm. it's in the what if series with dr strange where it's like there are inevitable points in time there are things that you cannot change and almost you know there are certain music things like you know i think like adele's 21 had to like I think that like these things just like. What about Adele's nineteen though? You know, there are, I probably have. Adele's like nineteen. I probably. I mean, that has. I encourage you to make a day of listening to that album. No, I've listened to it. I just trying to decide like what means more to me, nineteen or twenty-one, and I don't know. Um, I can tell you both of them mean more than me than twenty-five. It was the prequel to it. I could, What'd you say? I can I can tell you both of them far far outweigh uh, the importance of twenty five. I can tell you that. I feel like twenty five is probably her weakest album now. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you would rank them. Nineteen, twenty one, twenty five, and thirty. I don't know if I believe in ranking them. Like I don't think I would rank Stevie Wonder's albums. It's just that they touch me different at different times. No, that's that's that, that's where that's like your like peace, love, and happiness kind of thing. And this is where my like sports fandom comes through because before music in my oh, life, yeah, before music in my life, I was a sports fan, and I am very much like like you know like MJ Lebron debates or like you know whatever you want to get like you know Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi. But I guess my question is like. What did what did LeBron do like in college? Like, what made him? Did he go to college? What made him so great? He did not go to college. He went straight from the high school to the pros. Yeah, I mean, cool. So, what did he do in high school? What was he doing in high school that made him so good? Well, you know, what's interesting about LeBron James is that basically, like, he was anointed. He was literally anointed the chosen one. Like, Sports Illustrated had like him on a mag on the on the cover called the chosen one at sixteen, which is an crazy crazy amount of pressure. And yeah. he essentially delivered. 
Whereas Michael Jordan actually, yeah. like, he defied the skeptics who said that, like, you needed to have your franchise player had to be a seven-footer. Otherwise, he didn't. So, like, Michael Jordan is honestly, despite, you know, like, the stature he now holds in world culture, was an underdog story. Whereas LeBron James was waiting for yeah. people to fail. So, it kind of depends on what... Yeah, yeah. Well, instead of comparing Michael Jackson, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan to LeBron, let's focus on two different parts of LeBron's time. Let's talk about LeBron, like from him when he was like donned to be one of the greatest when he was 16 and that period of his life. And then compare that period to when everyone knew of him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, and that's, you know, and it brings up the question. And like, even in that debate, you can like, the like a Michael Jordan LeBron debate, like, you know, basically it's got to come down to like, does, it, does the peak matter more than the length of a career, right? Because Michael Jordan only played for 13 years. No, no but no, well, I'm, I'm applying it to what you're saying about it, though. That, like, so Michael Jordan only played for 13 years, really. Kind of like 15, they had, like, a little, like, like a, like a little epilogue with the Washington Wizards. But, like, LeBron is going to, LeBron is going to play right, more than 20 years. This next year is his 20th season. This next season will be his 20th season, and he wants to play until his son is in the pros. So, which is like another two uh-huh. years after that. So he's going to be have played for more than 20 years. He's going to play for like, like 75, 80% of the, like more time than, than, um, than, than NJ. And so uh-huh. now the question is like, you know, whether like the P, you know, so LeBron will have the greater career accolades. He will have the greater arc to his career. He will have like, you know, already has more points will you know like like all the accolades and stuff like that will have more except maybe championships or but like jordan's apex is probably higher and so when you get into these music debates or like what matters to you it almost becomes like you know like what you're saying it's like what matters to you in the moment like how do these people figure in like is it like is it the is it the length of the career? Is it like the moment, like you're talking about, like the moment in time, the peak, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, when we talk about Stevie Wonder's genius period, are we talking about its weight as a whole? Or are we talking about it individually? Like, you know, what each individual album meant at the time, you know, like Duke Ellington and Thelonious Monk are probably the two greatest jazz composers ever. And Duke wrote thousands of songs. Songs that like, he he played for like one night and then never played again. Like he like, there's this video where he has like a tribute to Morehouse uh or morgan state i forget what it is um and Uh like that probably never and the like you know and in the video they talk about like you know there are thousands of these songs that he never played again whereas monk only wrote about a hundred songs which only you know um like it was just like 94 or 95 more than oliver right and all better yeah (laughs) um but like you know he's he's up there he's up there with duke and like the importance and stuff and like i don't even know if like i mean I can't say that dude doesn't have melodies like round midnight, but I mean round midnight might be the first choice in the the song draft between those two guys. So you know, like you're saying, it's like you know, mm-hmm. and and talking about music and music history and like the talking heads that write these things and articles about it, it's like you know, what matter you know what matters that longevity or like that moment in time. You know, we talked about Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill has effectively one album. And then she has some Fuji stuff, and then she has the MTV Unplugged. And then I think something else, you know, maybe a listener can correct me on that. Like, but is she, you know, but, like, she has a perfect album. She has one perfect album that will live forever. 
And, you know, a lot of artists, you know, and like artists that last longer that have hits after hits and that done some creative things and stuff like that. Like, will her ever have a miseducation of Lauren Hill? I don't think so. And I love her. Yes. I mean, you know, I hope, I should, yeah. I hope she proves me wrong. And her will probably rack up maybe more Grammys over the, the course and she plays more instruments and will have more features and stuff like that. But will she have that? I don't think so. You know, I'm trying to think of other like better contemporaries because her, you know, probably wasn't her literally may have not been alive or she when Miss Education came out or she she would have been really little. Um, right. But it's just like she's done so many Lauren tributes. Like she's always like covering nothing even matters and like she did like she did her own version of Lost One. Uh yeah, I'm like oh, nice. yeah, like she like kinda tries to um, not my favorite song. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's important. Basically, yeah, like you know, spend an hour, it's like I don't know what the answer to any of these questions are, and I'm hoping someone I'm hoping someone else is, right? Like what makes a great melody, what what is really important. Like these are so these are like ephemeral things, right? They have to like and the, like you're saying, like the moment in time matters, right? Like, you know, maybe a change is going to come. Is like, you know, like you know, those those that organization of notes is a is like a car commercial melody or something like that. If it's not like right, like you know, if he doesn't, if it's like you know, if at the end of 1963, going into 1964, Sam Cooke isn't like going through what he's going through and isn't facing the mortality, like you know, uh, you know, he didn't know how he's going to die, but it's like, you know, facing his mortality on a lot of levels, right? Like, it probably doesn't happen that exact same right. way, right? But it's, it feels like an inevitable moment in time. Like, these things had to happen. Which is kind of sad, right? Because there's a lot of tragedy in that song and, like, and in that moment, right? Like, did humanity have to go through, you know, Jim Crow and slavery and the Holocaust, the Armenian genocide, just so that we could get the changes going to come? Like, it's, you know... <laughs> Like, we have all these wonderful things and stuff like that, but, like, you know, it's all written in blood, right? Like, that we should have, you know, for, like, you know, the sake of humanity, right? Like, we should have stayed in, you know, being hunter-gatherers, living in, you know, you know, because there was music then. It's not like we were without music, but, like, you know, living in balance with nature and all that. But, you know, I also, you know, like, I would vote to go back to that time, but I also don't want to live in a, mm-hmm. a, in a world without Sam Cooke. But I don't want, like, necessarily want Sam Cooke to have gone through what he did. There's, have you seen the Nina Simone documentary? I think Hunter Gatherers and stuff. Oh, you mean, like, because, hmm. are you saying Hunter Gatherers? We um, ended up getting to the point where there are these seasons of enduring and going through, um, I guess, social injustice. Say that again. Um, I, I was I was asking to like clarify your point. Like, are you saying that because of me being hunter gatherers, that it ultimately led us to these seasons of um, social injustice? I mean, you know, like the found like the creation of civilization kind of like led to the creation of war, right? And I don't know if in like every universe, like you know, like if the Persians get through at like the Battle of Marathon and beat like the Spartans and stuff like that, like do like the evils of like like post-Rome Europe happen and lead to colonialism and slavery and indigenous genocide? I don't, you know, <laughs> that's a real loaded question, right? Um, like, were we doomed to do that? Like, you know, would have some other person have like had like, you know, been behind the Holocaust? I don't know, that kind of thing. 
But it's like, all right. So have you seen the Nina Simone documentary? This is related. I have not. But okay, so basically, Nina Simone's career—it's like her dream was to be the first classical, uh, like classical pianist, like to headline uh, like Carnegie Hall. Like she wanted to go to, to she wanted—I think it was like she wanted to go to the Curtis Institute in Philadelphia, and she mm-hmm. spent her life feeling like she never got a fair shot because of being a black woman. Which, you know, it's, more than a more than reasonable belief, like you know, what the world was in, and basically her career is like just tinged with the pain and like everything that she did, and like you know, like how like you know miserable she was to her children, and like everything that's happening with her state estate now, which is a really complicated and like sad issue. That like um, she um, is because she didn't get to do I that, right? Like any you know, so and like you're good, right? So I also don't have a great signal. But like, you know, Nina Simone would have been a lot happier if she had just gotten to play classical piano. And she wouldn't have like been the tortured genius that we know. So like, do we like now have a right to like, you know, only allow that version of the events to like exist? Like, you know, do like, no, I don't think so. Like, right. Each individual has, you know, the right to pursuit of happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. Like just like our like slave owning founding father said, um, in one of the great moments of cognitive dissonance in history, but like we, so like, but why, you know, does it always have to be written in blood? Do these like wonderful things, you know, these great melodies that we talk about, right? Like, do they only have to be created like, in the furnace of the, I mean, there's a reason, you know, like, like black Americans are like responsible yeah. for all, you know, at the root of all modern music, right. From everything from like, you know, going all the way back to jazz, like through, you know, everything we know, right. Rock and roll and techno and hip hop and all that kind of stuff. And then it gets culturally appropriated later. That if we don't, mm-hmm. that, um, it's be, you know, part of it is like having been in the furnace of like the evils of this of this country, right? That like no like yeah. facing a unique struggle that like probably no civilization has ever had to, like you know that that level of evil, that level of production on the backs of a group for that long, right? Like you don't want to get into the Prussian Olympics and start talking about well this group, that group and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. The modern world was built like mm-hmm. you know it's not a debatable fact that the modern world was built on the backs the backs of of enslaved Africans in the Americas, right? It's extending all the way down through the through South America, right? Right, right. And because of like that unique evil, right. there was something created that's unlike anything else, and that's you know, twenty like you know, nineteenth through twentieth, now twenty first century black music from the Western Hemisphere, right? Including like, you know, every, because obviously that includes everything that comes from salsa. Mm-hmm. You know, and samba and, and tango and everything that comes we get from Latin America, reggae, obviously the huge importance of the Caribbean. And so, but like, you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's not to say like worth it, right? Because that's a real nasty argument to get into, like a really nasty, like hypothetical to get into, right? But it's like, you know, does great melody only yeah. come out of struggle? like this of tragedy like you know what i mean i mean they're great like you know and what's funny is that some of those tragic people like you know the most tragic of these people have come up with some of the 
most beautiful, fun melodies and that kind of stuff, right? I mean, like, just think about something as, like, not as goofy. It's, you know, it's great. But, like, you know, the banana. What is it? The banana man, right? Daylight come and we want to go home. That's really fucking Mm -hmm. sad, man. (laughs) Like, and it's, like, one of the, you know, like, in baseball stadiums all over the country are yelling, right? Like, you know, the cheeriness of, like, you know, the, like, you know, obviously, like, you know, the beauty in the struggle, right? And, like, learning, like, you know, what it comes with that experience. Like, you know, I'm not in any way qualified to, like, you know, really break that down. But is this, is it, was this the only way? I don't know. And it kind of going back to and trying to, like, you know, complete the circle was, like, you know, are we discovering these melodies? Are we creating them, right? Is this, like, just a natural reaction of the world? Is this a natural reaction of the world we live in? Like, you know. The living in the city was living in the city like the only, you know, was like had to exist because this, you know, of that world that that you know Stevie was able to create. Well, like that that created a Stevie Wonder and that gave him that, you know, the story to you know like, like you know to tell a story about it. Like you know, as, 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 as a story I'm sure you love is like you know like like uh, a boy from Hard Time Mississippi, right? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Um, so I think it's a, it's a couple of things. I think that one, like, like for example, when I was first, when I, when I first got a guitar, I was like in high school, but I, I, was, I didn't have the, the, the compulsion or the conviction to actually focus on learning it. And it, it wasn't until like after a phone call with my mother, I was very upset and heartbroken. So I grabbed my guitar and that's when I wrote the first song on it. So I think there is like, a sense of pain and suffering and like heart that is the impetus for some of these things. Like even no different than that other song I mentioned Sunday morning by Maroon five, like it's a beautiful song, but and it's, it's also very lamenting. If you think about it, he's just hoping that someday we'll lead him back to her, you know, and that's all he needs mm-hmm. darkness. She yeah. sees or even. Uh, yeah. Finish it. No, you finish your thought. And so, and even the, the, the third song that I mentioned, uh, uh, Budapest by George Ezra, he was about to go to a music competition in, um, in Budapest or Budapest. And uh, he, uh, he ends up partying the night before and he misses his train or his flight or something. So he ends up like sitting down and writing about all the things that he would get. Yeah. And I, and ultimately, because ultimately like songs are also about like, you know, on a musical level, like on the nuts and bolts of it, like it's tension and release, right? It's about like harmony, right? Like, you know, the five chord going to the one chord, you know, like it's just like, is the seven going to the tonic, like, you know, like uh, Tito, right? Or like, you know, that Chopin melody we were talking about, you know, it's obviously just like all this tension and release and stuff. So you have to have a little bit of that tension for the song to make, you know, to for the song to have any movement, and so, you know, I guess it's like symbolic of like what this life is. Oh well, man, I feel like that's you know that's about as good, as good of like a closing note to go out on. That's <laughs> very good. But thank you for uh, for this time and this uh, to be able to talk about this stuff. And it was nice that you know these are things that like uh, I don't get to talk about very often. And that's like you know I'm living like you know in these different places doing these different things. Like it's nice to just be able to like you know, bad ideas back and forth. So I appreciate you and I appreciate the, the invitation. 
You're welcome. And thank you for all that you've taught me through these conversations. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the, the fountain of like, you know, the desperate attempt of mine to like connect all like these like disparate, like, you know, like, you know, me desperately trying to connect like the MJ, like the MJ Jordan debate to like, you know, like popular songwriting, like just like trying, trying to like, you yeah. know, just throw things on a wall until something sticks, you know, like a, some like great theory of everything about humanity, you know, probably, you know, go to the grave, still trying to figure that out. All right. Well, thank you. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing another one at one point, whenever, you know, as, as the cycle goes, when uh, on season two, I'll be there for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Yeah, hit me up when you're free and All right. you can do it. And thank you again for your thank time. Thank you. All right. Sure. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.